Wanderlust Brides, brought to you by A Wedding For You and the Sea Lord Hotel and Suites in Lauderdale-by-the-Sea. Hi there, this is Karen Emery and welcome to our next edition of Wanderlust Brides. As a destination wedding coordinator for more than 30 years, there have been so many questions I've been asked over the years such as why are people doing this, where do they go, how do they get there. So during the next series of podcasts, I'm going to cover some of the most popular questions and give you some little stories of what we've done and what has been done in the past. For today, we're going to talk about having to figure out where you're going to do the wedding and how you're going to get there. So let's assume that you've already had the conversation with your fiancé and now with your family and friends about this. Remember that doing a destination wedding is not going to go over 100%. There are family and friends who just can't get away or financially will have problems coming to your wedding. This is something that you just have to realize. It's just the way it is. Not everyone is gonna be able to come, but don't let them make you feel bad about your decision. If this is the right thing for you and your fiance, then you just gotta go with it. Here's a way to calm the waters for those people who can't come or will protest. Ask them to help plan a reception upon your return. It doesn't have to be a big shindig, but some couples do have full reception. Remember, it's totally up to you. And of course, your budget. I had a bride get married in an intimate ceremony in St. Thomas several years ago, and they had about 25 people there, which included her family, his family, parents, the siblings, the siblings' children, and just some very close family friends. It was simply wonderful. They had their ceremony on the beach, and afterwards, a little reception with just cake and champagne. It was perfect for them. When they returned home, there was a beautiful backyard barbecue to celebrate their event. To make the occasion a little bit more warming to the guests who didn't come to the wedding, they had a video of the ceremony and the little reception in St. Thomas and showed it at the beginning of the barbecue. So let me create this event for you. The guests at the barbecue are asked to gather around and then they're asked to take seats. In a central location, a large screen television is set, is set up and a video begins. At the end of the video, someone stands up and says, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to present to you our newest bride and groom. Of course, their names go there. Then the bride and groom walk into the reception at the same time wearing the same attire as they had in the DVD and what they wore in St. Thomas. It is a fabulous way for everyone to feel as if they were really there. Doing this bride and groom presentation doesn't have to be just for larger receptions. You could have a surprise party for your guests who didn't even know that you were going away to get married. But overall, it's a wonderful way to include everyone. 
So while you're trying to figure out where you want to go, you have to consider how you want to get there. Do you want to drive to a location? Do you want to fly to a location? Do you want to take a cruise? All options have their pros and cons. So let's explore them one at a time. If you're considering driving, you might consider something oh, about an hour and a half away, two hours away, or three or four hours away. It just depends upon where you live and where there's a destination location that really piques your interest. But just keep in mind that it's gonna be harder to limit the number of guests who are coming to your wedding if it is very close by. The second option is to fly to somewhere. Now, if you're here in the United States and you live in New York, you might wanna to fly to Napa Valley or you might wanna to fly to Colorado or Florida or any of these venues. This is a great way to get away and stay in the United States. There's also the option of flying to one of the islands. This has been probably one of the most popular choices in past years. The idea that you can hold a beautiful wedding at a resort location is very romantic. And while the family and friends join you for a few days for the wedding and festivities, they can go home afterwards and you can have your honeymoon alone. In recent years, the only obstacle with this has been the immigration laws about flying from U.S. to non-U.S., such as Jamaica, Bahamas, Mexico, etc. The law says that you must have a valid U.S. passport if you're flying to any non-U.S. location. Of course, this exception does hold true for U.S. territories such as the Virgin Islands, U.S. Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, etc. For those locations, it's still okay to have your birth certificate and your photo ID. However, I do recommend that wherever you go, you have a passport. The third option is to take a cruise. This advantage is to the fact that you can see very many islands and you have more choices. The other great thing is you don't need a passport if you're cruising from a U.S. port and returning to a U.S. port. Let me explain this. You come down to Florida, you get on a ship in Miami, you cruise to the Caribbean, and then you return back to Miami and you get off the ship. By doing this, according to the current law, you can do it with a birth certificate and a government-issued photo ID. This, this is an easy way for people to do it, but again, I will recommend that you do a passport because if you get to a non-US port and there's an emergency and you have to fly home, you cannot do so without a US passport. Over the last uh, 10 years, a lot of things have changed, of course. And it's only $100 for the passport, eh, a little bit over $100, but it's good for 10 years. So please consider biting the bullet 
and getting one. Now let me get back to the cruise option. This is great because there are three night cruises to 10 or 14 night cruises that you can choose from and decide what's right for you. Most couples do up for a four night cruise. That would be from like Thursday to Monday, Monday to Friday, but the Thursday to Monday is good because it gives their guests an opportunity for a long weekend rather than a full week cruise. If you're planning this a more, more than a year ahead, it would give all your invitees plenty of time to pay for the cruise and of course, secure their vacation time at work. Here's another advantage when doing a cruise wedding. The food is included and the entertainment is included to the cruise. If you've not been on a cruise, you might say that ah, maybe it's too confining, but this couldn't be furthest from the truth. Consider a ship to be a floating hotel. After all, that's what it really is. It simply takes you from place to place in luxury. Other people might say that it's claustrophobic. Again, not so. There are so many fabulous outside areas to wander explore, as well as having balcony staterooms that you can sit on your balcony and just enjoy the fabulous water views. Another point to the economic value of a cruise ship wedding is that flights to the U.S. cities are much less expensive than flying to the islands. Most times of the year, you can fl fly from New York or Pennsylvania to Florida for about $250 a person. Flying Jamaica could cost you almost $500. And flying to other islands could cost almost $800 to $1,000. Of course, this price will vary based on when you travel, the time of year, and the day of the week. Because from day to day during the week, the prices will change. For example, if you're flying on a Tuesday, it's going to be less expensive than flying on a Thursday or Friday. But these are some things that you need to consider if you're going to have your guests fly to your wedding. So over the years, one of the things that people have asked me are, am I paying for everybody to come to the cruise, come to the wedding? And the answer to that is no. Not any different than if someone was to drive to where your wedding is, pay for parking there. If it, they're coming from out of town, paying for their hotel room, you wouldn't expect to pay that. By the same token, you are not expected to pay at all for their cruise and their travel to get there. So this is going to take into account what their costs and what their, um, their budget's gonna be. So here's a couple of things that you need to consider. How long are you gonna do the cruise? When are you gonna do the cruise? What type of stateroom each people are gonna want? Have they cruised before? And how many are gonna be in the stateroom? So all of these factors are going to count into the, what the budget's gonna be and what people can afford. So let me just go through item by item and, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. So the length of the cruise. Um, you know, if you do a three night cruise, obviously it's gonna be less expensive than a seven night cruise, but it's not going to give you the variety of the islands that you might wanna to go to or the islands where you might be able to get married due to waiting period for licensing. 
Okay, so again, that is going to take into consideration. When the cruise is, is another point. If you're going to do it during the summer months, believe it or not, the prices are going to be a little bit higher than doing it in the fall or in the spring. And the reason for this is because there are less cruise ships in the Caribbean during the summer because a lot of the ships are going to Europe, they're going to Alaska, they're going to various parts of, of the world just because they're seasonal. Here in South Florida, it's limited and there aren't a lot of options. So it becomes a seller's market, okay? So we can consider and we can talk about those options at another time. The type of stateroom that people are going to select. There are inside cabins, ocean view staterooms, balconies, and suites. Those are your basic categories that people are going to choose. Now an inside cabin, it's a lovely room, but it has no windows. I don't recommend that for first time cruisers because they don't understand the feeling of the ship. And if the ship is rocking a little bit and they can't see what's going on, they're not gonna feel comfortable. An ocean view stateroom is a nice option because they can look outside. Usually the size of the room is the same as the inside. Very little difference in the price, but it does give them that window opportunity and natural light coming in. The third is the balcony. Balcony to me is one of the best because it gives you, quote unquote, an extra living space. What I mean by that is you have the, your regular sleeping area. Of course, all rooms have their private bathroom and shower. But with the balcony, you have a sliding glass door that you can walk out to your private balcony. So if you're getting dressed and your roommate, fiance, husband, whatever, is going, can be sitting outside on the balcony enjoying a little quiet time and it gives you more time to get dressed and get ready. So it does give you a little bit more space on that. Yes, it does cost a little bit more than an ocean view, but overall with the cost, the differential cost on that over the amount of time that you're going, it really isn't that much difference. And then you have the suites and the suites are going to be exactly like that. They're very sweet. They're wonderful size, they're bigger rooms and they do have a, a lot more, sometimes double um, the space that you'll find on balconies. And they're really great because they also have private balconies in that. Now, another factor in figuring out the cost, have people cruise before. So sometimes the cruise lines will be offering discounts or promotions on certain sailings and offer a little bit more of a discount to those who have cruised before with them. So these are the other questions that, they'll, that people will be asked when booking their rooms. And the other thing is how many people are gonna be in the room. Now, all cruises are based on per person double occupancy. So what that means is that whether you have one person in the room or two people in the room, you're still paying for two people. But when you have a third or a fourth room, normally there's a discount on that. So just to put into perspective, let's just say the first person's paying 500, the second person's paying 500. 
the third and fourth might be paying 250 each. I'm just giving you an example here, but that's sometimes how it works. Those type of rooms when you have a three and four are great when you have small children, middle-aged, you know, um, middle schoolers, things like that. I don't recommend those for four adults. It gets a little confining. And remember, there's still only one bathroom in those. Okay, so these are a couple of things to consider when you're trying to figure out everybody's budget and what they can afford. So it's really important to talk to a seasoned travel agent. Okay, this is a person who will sit down with you on the phone, in person, whatever, and explain to you all the options. So the first thing that you need to consider when figuring out what cruise you want to go on is how long you want to go for. That's going to be a primary focus here. So if you want to do a four-night cruise, then the travel agent is going to recommend the four-night cruises that work for you at the time of year that you want to go. From there, they can do a presentation. And this presentation could be presented to your guests. So they can decide, number one, if they can afford to go. Number two, who in their family is going to go. And when they can put down the deposit. That segs with me to the deposit. The deposits for the cruises can be anywhere from $50 a person up to $250 a person. And a little bit more if you have a longer than a seven-night cruise. So again, the cruise you go on, the promotions that are going on at that time, all these things are going to be taken into consideration when you figure out what you want, where you want to go, what ship you want to go on. The other thing when considering your cruise is where is the ship going to? If the ship is going to only ports where it's almost impossible to get a marriage license in those ports, then that might not be the cruise for you. The price might be great, but that might not be good for you. Here's something to remember when it comes to marriage licensing. You have to get married. You need to have a license within the jurisdiction of where you're getting married. So if you're from New Jersey, if you're from Wisconsin, and you're getting married in Jamaica, you cannot use a license from the state where you live to get married in Jamaica. You have to have a license within the jurisdiction of where you wish to get married. So getting married in Honduras, Roatan, is a lot more difficult to get the license than let's just say Jamaica, St. Thomas, Cozumel, Grand Cayman, any of those, even Key West. A lot easier to get the licenses there and therefore have your wedding on the legal day of where you're getting married. Okay, so just want to put that into into play here so you understand uh, the licensing situation okay so getting back to the travel agent it's figuring out what islands you can go to and this is going to be with an experienced travel agent 
who's done some destination weddings. Here in our office, we've been doing it forever. So it becomes an easy, um, easy questions for us to answer. If you're working with a travel agent, no problem. Have them call us because we will help them figure out where you can get married legally if you're going on a cruise. If they'd like our assistance, fine. If not, I've, <laughs> I've given you some information that you didn't necessarily have before. So these are the things to consider, especially when it comes to the cruise. Now, going back to flying to the islands, this is something that, again, you're going to need to talk to a travel agent about. It's a lot better to work with a travel agent than going direct, because going direct, people are gonna be all over the place, and it's not going to keep your booking together. Okay, having a travel agent is not, let me repeat that, not gonna cost you any more money than it would be to do it on your own. Travel agents do not make money from you. They make their money from the property or from the airline or from the consortium that they're booking through. So please don't think that you're going to save money by doing it yourself. Doing it yourself, whether it be for flying, staying at a resort, doing the cruise, anything like that, please use a travel agent. These people, this is what they do for a living. If you're doing it on your own, you're going to get bombarded by questions from your guests about this, about that, and with the other thing. And you're not going to enjoy this process. Doing a destination wedding should be enjoyable. So in conclusion for today's episode, I just wanted to try to make you understand what it takes for the travel aspect for people to understand where you can go, how you can get there, and the different options that you have. We'll be talking more about um, different locations in another episode, but for today, thank you, and you have a wonderful day. And remember, Wonderless Brides, we just want you to make sure that that passport is renewed and ready to go at a moment's notice. Have a great day.